1: Welcome to the New Books Network. So welcome, Janneke, to the New Books Network. Hi, Sarah. And I'm really excited to talk with you about your work, Living Books Experiments in the Post-Humanities, and kind of feel like a special connection to it just by having helped make the book open access. Um, But we'll get into all of that later. So I think as a start, I'm wondering if you could share like a brief introduction to both yourself and then where the idea for this book came from.
0: Definitely, and thanks so much for inviting me to do this. Um, yeah, so I am an assistant professor in uh, digital media at um, the Center for Post Digital Cultures at Coventry University, so in the UK. And um, I think the idea from the book, well, first of all, it derives from my PhD research. Uh, so it's been quite a long, uh, yeah, long while in development already. Um, and before that, actually, I would say I started to get interested in the open access movement. And I've done some work for some um, uh, projects that looked at how we can start implementing open access models for books. Um, so I was really interested in in the kind of the politics and the economics around that. And, um, and even though there were quite some interesting experiments around that in the humanities, it really was, by the time I started doing the research, something that, was completely uh, under research and also under-theorized, I would say. So I felt that there was a kind of, uh, yeah, a gap um, in the knowledge there just to see how we can explore a little bit what openness for books means, not only in providing accessibility, but also in kind of exploring new formats for the book uh, in a kind of a digital environment. So that's where I think it all started. Um, and and yeah, and... and uh, from there, I think uh, after I finished my uh, PhD research, I uh, tried to turn it into a book. And eventually it, it did turn into a book and even a bit more. But I think we'll come back to that in a bit. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So it seems like early much of this book um, sort of describes the sort of like the history of the book. And I think like you note that the book and scholarship more generally isn't as binary as history maybe likes to say it. Like, for example, you say that it's technical and cultural, not like technology versus culture, or human and non-human, or commercial and academic. And I'm just kind of wondering sort of why has the narrative been so binary and like uh, splitting rather than trying to uh, keep those perhaps paradoxes together? And uh, I guess what sort of, story do you maybe tell instead?
0: Yeah, so that's actually quite interesting because I was also quite surprised by how this still is a tendency. And it's not only around book history. I think it's it's in media studies in general that there's been a focus on kind of uh, um, binary precision taking around a technological or cultural agency, right? Um, and I think over the last 10 years, there's been a bit more development towards uh, and before that too, right? It's not something completely new, but uh, towards more kind of uh, new materialists and and kind of um, uh, theories that see um, these kind of material and discursive agencies as as connected and as entangled. Um, and I think there is also an interesting argument to be made, like why are these positions taken in? What, what, what is the kind of the, the power play behind them? So Within the book I look at a few of those position-taking, so I look at, for example, a debate between uh, two quite influential book historians, so Adrian Jones and Elizabeth Eisenstein, um, who in in kind of two uh, uh, book-length analysis, but also in in a debate that they had uh, together, Uh, argued for um, basically a focus on either material agency or cultural agency and of course you know it's not as kind of binary again either there but uh, but they've been kind of arguing on opposing sides of that and and actually what what i wanted to explore in that debate was why they were taking those kind of positions um, and and what it would mean to start seeing them more as entangled Um, and also why in a way you know when they were doing those analysis they were not really taking their own positions as scholars writing books and and using the book medium um, into consideration and so the argument i make in the book is that their debate is very what you call representationalist so it, it focuses on the idea that um, uh, agency is something that a thing can have or that a subject can have instead of seeing them as inherently entangled um, and you see that also in other debates. So another debate that I look at, for example, is 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 between how um, uh, publishers and universities are kind of set up in opposition to each other. So publishers are then presented as having a commercial motive, and and uh, universities as as a kind of a cultural motive. And what I try to show uh, in the book is that you know the way that. Uh, university presses have developed and the way that the relationship has developed is is that they've always also been very much entangled and of course as we know from the development of the neoliberal university university is just as much a commercial undertaking and publishing can just as much be a cultural undertaking so um, there are just kind of ways that we want to uh, kind of other these positions that I'm quite interested in and exploring why we do that is something that uh, I describe within the book
1: Yes, maybe to dig dig into that a little bit. Um, I think the, the material versus culture argument was really interesting, and, and especially just how, how you said it there, like how like you can be like look at publishing through like a materials lens or a cultural lens, but then like in doing so, you're like forgetting that you're using material as a book to make that argument or the cultural practice of bookmaking through that practice. Um, so. I guess I'm um, I'm wondering how does or how how are those two things more connected than maybe they originally thought, or how or yeah hopefully that question kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, so I, I think what is important there to see is is that um, the way that we kind of perform scholarship um, is something that we don't normally reflect upon that much. It's very much a meta discussion in that sense that. Um, we're, we're very kind of attuned to talk about different kinds of media such as film and uh, and audio for example as something that's external to us and, and that we write about but of course when we talk about book or scholarly communication we're completely embedded in this and 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 this the kind of the performativity that comes with that with the fact that we are practicing uh, the elements that we uh, describe already shows how we are integrally entangled with it right and and um, and this is quite interesting. So I think that a lot of book historians still are, are working from this kind of uh, kind of traditional discourse in which they are seen as something that is uh, not connected to us. The book is something that's external from us. And what I try to showcase and what I try to argue for in, in living books is, is what would it mean if we actually start to take uh, that agency, that agency of the book and of our own entanglement with the book seriously? And what does that mean for being a scholar, um, does that maybe mean that we need to take in a certain kind of position towards how we do scholarship instead of the way that we just write about it or that we think about it. Um, and so that's what I've tried to kind of explore. And and, and I think there's a kind of um, a hesitancy there because it's very personal for a lot of scholars, right? It's very It's very scary to start actually critiquing the way that you do your own practices or the way that we do media and the way that we do scholarship. Um, so, so yeah, so, so there's a kind of a hesitancy there and also connected, of course, to the fact that the way that our scholarly communication system has been set up um, is very much based on this kind of print-based system, right? So the book as a kind of uh, um, the codex books in, in that sense has been so incremental in the way that um, that scholarship has developed. So things like the individual author, the bound book that's an object, the outcome of research, it's essential to the way that our scholarly public system is set up with books as objects, but also in the way that our assessments and our metric systems are set up, right? So yeah. we're supposed to create these outputs. So starting to critique these practices is, is, is very hard for people because we're so, yeah, such so much part of it. And we feel complicit also in the way that we're repeating that. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a hard nut to crack in that sense.
1: Yeah, especially on the the performative front, I feel like um, I've heard that term thrown around in in like philosophical circles. And I I don't think I really understood it until how you said it um, through this book about how like the performance is like you interacting with the thing itself. It's like you're changing it by you're changing and making publishing what it is by publishing and like how like the I guess I guess it's like the actor network theory kind of where like the the author is like part of the like performance of like the the work at large so I just thought that that was really really interesting and helped me like actually understand what performative means. <laughs> oh fantastic
0: oh that's really good yeah I it's, think it's, it's that emphasis on, on on the kind of the plural agencies involved right and and also that that it's not only at the book author or or, or the book as an object that are mostly put forward as agencies, but uh, that there's so many other agencies involved, uh, you know, around the production of a book and, and becoming more aware of that about, which I kind of theorize and as the book apparatus. So it's the practices that are part of scholarly communication, it's the technologies, it's discourses, it's the materiality of the book. All of that come together in this kind of, uh, uh, yeah, in, in, in this entanglement of, of forces that then enacts uh, um, uh, our scholarly communication system and um, and we and uh, kind of the argument that I try to make is that even though this is all connected we do have some agency in that to kind of uh, highlight first of all that this exists and, and that disentanglement is part of how we uh, how scholarship comes about and that we can do it differently that different kind of cuts and different ways of doing scholarship are possible
1: yeah but <laughs> and even what you just said about how like scholarship identity comes through like those those practices and I mean I, I definitely know that I've felt this as going through going through my research and getting or doing my work as a scholar that it feels like you're trained in this system and then that like, your identity is like wrapped up in this like the system as it is so trying to make those changes even though you know that they would be better it's really difficult because like One, the system is just already so much in this direction, but two, like your identity is also wrapped up, so much wrapped up in that process and continuing it and making the leap to making a different cut is just like really hard just because it is so entangled and like you can't just chop off one node. You can't just be like, well, I'm just not going to use publishers. I'm just going to self-publish. Like it's still part of this bigger, bigger system. So I guess that makes me wonder, this is like a huge question too, like what sort of like, practical suggestions could you have for like an author or a publisher like the infrastructures that exist like i said that's enormous and but i'm just wondering what your what your thoughts on that are
0: oh no but definitely i'm with you and i also definitely don't want to kind of underestimate the incredible pressure that we're under right as part of this system and and making those changes does feel very hard especially you know one of the things that i i do rage about a little bit though is is the fact that often that responsibility is seen as something that needs to come from uh, the kind of more established generation of scholars, right? So they've already part of that system. But one of the arguments I make, and that comes back to what you're saying, too, is that we get kind of our, our, our a subject position as a scholar gets formed within this system, so in a way, I feel that, you know, this needs to start at all levels, trying to critically think about the way that we've set up this system it needs to start when you're a PhD student, when you're a student. Um, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not kind of naive to the fact that uh, uh, it's hard to make changes in, in something that feels so oppressive in many ways. Right. And this comes back to this kind of the power structures at play uh, that try to keep um, this specific print based system in place, because, you know, this is, where publishing gets its main commodity form from this object that is the book, and our universities get their funding based on the fact that we're author brands that kind of you know uh, that 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 they can promote and that the metrics are based upon. So 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 this system is so ingrained that it almost feels like it's very hard um, uh, to go against this. But I think I still think, and I mean that's one of the things that I try to explore within the book is is that. I'm, I'm looking at the kind of affirmative practices and affirmative kind of uh, experimental projects that are trying to imagine different ways of doing scholarship. And, and some of the ways that I think that there are opportunities for us to start doing is to kind of connect to these kind of new digital practices that are coming up towards um, the kind of the, the politics around uh, more kind of radical forms of open access that I described. And this can come in in different ways. I mean, for me, I think it would already be an amazing first step if people just start to think through a little bit more why they publish, at what points, what the reasons are for why they publish, um, whether there is a way that they could do this differently, whether the book or the printed kind of the print-based systems and practices that we have devised as part of our scholarly communication systems are always, in every instance, the best way for you to publish your research or to, to kind of communicate that. Um, and I think that's the first start. So just kind of critically looking um, at the system and starting to think where we could maybe start to make small incremental changes individually but also not only individually I think it's very important that we do this collaboratively right and that we try to work together with people who are critical of the system are trying to create change there so um, so I, I think within the book I describe different experiments in book publishing that that try to emphasize the more communal, the collaborative, the processual aspects that are already always part of scholarship, but that you know that we can just start to highlight much more. Um, and and on the other hand, there's there's loads of groups that are trying to figure out how we can make. Uh, a scholarly communication system online that's that's more equitable, that that's more diverse, that um, that tries to move away from a system that's now outsourced to publishers and and mostly to commercial purposes, who are making enormous profits based on kind of the, the kind of public uh, funding that we bring in. So. You know, there's lots of publishers that are trying to develop new models of publishing. And, for example, we can start to look at, how oh, maybe we want to start publishing with them. Or maybe we want to support them in other ways. Um, so so that's what I kind of try to do, to look at these kind of uh, affirmative projects that are trying to make, maybe a, in, in in some ways small changes or small incisions within that system. But that I think working together and collaboratively and kind of connecting all of these together really uh yeah, form for me an inspirational uh, way of enacting change within the system.
1: Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense and kind of draws on the sort of like the networkedness of everything. Like, you could change, like, maybe you can change like the business model, but that doesn't mean like that you're really changing the culture. Just because like the business model is just one part of like this this much bigger thing that you almost need this like critical mass of a community network to actually have any matter change, big, big or small, um, that but kind of what you said about open access and sort of digital practices, um, that makes me wonder, maybe like sort of stepping back a little bit or changing gears a little bit, um, sort of like wondering how digital spaces or like how technology is being used now, like in open access and sort of how is that changing book publishing or almost maybe how is it or how could it be a little bit more of the more of the same
0: yeah, so this is really quite interesting. So I think that comes back to the aspect that you know, um, and that's also something I just dis- try to ex- describe is that open access, in principle, is is uh, doesn't have a specific pre-described politics, right? So it's it's a floating signifier; it can be um, filled in in the way that uh, that people see fit. So so it doesn't have an inherent politics connected to it. Um, and what this means basically, um, and similar thing can be said about the digital, um, is that there's definitely all kinds of opportunities to do interesting stuff with the digital, but at the same time, uh, and with open access, but at the same time, the digital can enact uh, all kinds of kind of more print-based closures that we uh, that I've just described, right? So, for example, um, the fact that we're now increasingly publishing books digitally doesn't actually mean that they look much different than they used to, right? So a lot of things are still published as a PDF, Um, even behind kind of the printed books that we are now using, there tends to be a whole uh, digital uh, production system, right? But the output is still often this kind of print-based volume. Um, So so print doesn't necessarily have to be revolutionary or kind of make those changes, but it does have Possibilities to do so because yes, it, it offers possibilities to kind of to network uh, books more, to to create conversations around books in, in a way that, uh, that might be easier. Um, it offers possibilities to, to to publish research more processually. To what you said too, like look, we we can we can start to publish more ourselves as as scholars too. Uh, that has its its drawbacks and its benefits, I think. Um, And also to explore multimedia and and kind of a remix and those kind of elements that, you know, it's not that that doesn't exist in the print environment. It becomes just easier for us to do ourselves and to experiment with them in a digital environment. And now when it comes, I guess, to to open access, I mean, with open access, there's similarly all kinds of ways in which this can be uh, a forward-looking and, and kind of progressive uh, means of, of providing access to research uh, and opening this up for these kind of experiments by having more kind of uh, uh, liberal uh, licenses, copyright licenses connected with. it. But at the same time, uh, what you see happening a lot uh, in the last few years is that open access is also being co-opted by uh, commercial publishers increasingly we just see it as another business model, right? As just something like, oh, uh, and and there's this move towards what's called book processing charges, um, in which actually instead of uh, libraries paying for uh, uh, for a book, right, uh, now the costs are just uh, uh, moved towards um, authors and their institutions, which which creates a lot of inequality in who will be able to publish, and this is also within the humanities not a sustainable model. Um, so, yeah, so, so there are issues around openness in that sense. And, and openness can also enact new kind of closures in that sense. Uh, and trying to remain critical of both the potentials it has and and and, and the kind of risks that come with its co-option is something to kind of continuously uh, uh, engage ourselves with, I guess.
1: Yeah, I remember reading the part where you, like, introduced open as, like, a reactionary but still part of the same, like, neoliberal processes. And I'm just like, my like brain exploded. I'm like, whoa, I like totally see that. How, how, especially like how what you just said there about just like, Oh, well, if we're not going to have, if you're not charging for access, we'll just easily switch that. So you just have to, you have to pay to publish instead. Um, Yeah. Like I, I guess I like knew, knew all that since I, I like work in publishing as well. Like I know APCs chart, like article publishing charges are exist and Are definitely like a a gate or like a, yeah, just like a gate to keep people from publishing, but just like the the way you said it and you put everything together, it was, yeah, that was really helpful for me to understand like the connection between open and really how it can remain closed in, in, in many ways, but sort of like you introduced or you introduced for me um, the idea of like, sort of like radical open access and how, that is a potential switch in how to think about, how to think about open access and how to think about what access really looks like. So could you maybe describe sort of what you mean by like that radical open access and how that's a little bit different or how it could be different from open access how we think about it normally?
0: definitely no I mean and, and radical open access is something that you know it's not something that only I define it's something that a lot of uh, uh, projects and, and 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 groups of people are, are theorizing now this this kind of alternative vision of open access um, and this I mean this relates partly also to to what is previously called the open access movement which which uh, came out in, in the 90s and the, the early 2000s around trying to kind of um, Create uh, a more accessibility for research, and and the argument I make within the book too is is that this movement was always about more than just creating access. It was about creating a more equitable um, uh, quality communication system. It was about changing the scholarly communication system um, towards a system that's um, that's more community owned that is focused on open source infrastructure that that takes back control in, in some aspects uh, of, of, of the way that we disseminate uh, uh, our, our publications and for me this is really important because um, I think it's important that to some extent we try to kind of see publishing as something that is part of what we do as scholars again and, and, and take responsibility for that. Um, and, and and what I just then also describe in the book as, as kind of radical open access practices, uh, try to explore how we can do this best, right? Like how can we make sure that there is community governance of, of the infrastructures for publishing that we create? How can we make sure that en- a- enough biodiversity exists within the system, that there isn't um, this hegemony of, of like the five big publishers, uh, which is just really uh, problematic. And the fact that, you know, a lot of research uh, can't, be published at the moment anymore because there is such a focus on it having to be marketable um, and, and 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 this creates all kinds of problems right uh, around research that that uh, we are able to publish that is able to be uh, produced um, and I think radical open access is also about that element of experimentation that that I think I, I touched upon earlier and and trying to think through how we can do publishing differently so actually a lot of the radical open access, um, uh, presses and groups that I've been involved in have been really incremental in, in, in trying out new experiments in book publishing and trying out wiki books and trying out uh, open editing and, and versioning and, and and trying to envision what what openness could bring to the book beyond only accessibility how it can open up the book in different ways and you know, how it can change the way that we think about what scholarship is and and, and how we you know what humanities is and, and, and how we can Um, push that further Um, so for me it's it's been a very again a very affirmative project or kind of a group trying to reconsider what open access is um, not necessarily in opposition to those kind of neoliberal uh, forms of open access but alongside it and and as a kind of an alternative way of envisioning uh, what open access could potentially be
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner
0: check
1: Yeah, I feel like that makes me wonder how how we could or what you think of how to like make that experimentation process like sustainable between like experimenting with different publishing models and modes and prox- processes and practices, but then balancing with that with like the at least the current need and desire to have like this like fixity or at least how we think about authority through that fixed process rather than through experimenting? Hopefully that question makes sense, but like sort of how to balance between where we are with like the the desire to have that, that fixed process versus, not versus, but, and trying to experiment um, with that.
0: No, exactly. And I mean, this balance is, I mean, I don't have an easy answer for that, of course, no, because but it's also about it, it depends on the situation and what is suitable you know in some occasions you know we can't always be experimenting sometimes we do have to play the game too uh and and um but I, but i think that there is some kind of um i think the focus at the moment is too much towards creating these specific cuts in our scholarship uh, without again critically thinking about them and and starting to think through what other stabilizations we could make at maybe different points in our research, right? And we're already doing that. And that's also something that I keep on emphasizing when people say like, oh, you know, this seems like such a big change. And, and I say like, well, actually, we're doing a lot of the things that I'm describing in a book already, we're just not showcasing them as much. So we're already collaborating on our research, you know, part of the way that we do research by referencing other people, by building on other people's arguments, already showcases that collaboration. The fact that we work together with with students, with colleagues at conferences, with um, with publishers that help us refine our arguments, um, already showcases this these elements of, of of experimental publishing, of of kind of rethinking what a book is and how we work together. Um, and similar, also, you know, with with the form and the format of of, of the book, we are incredibly uh experimental in the ways that you know we started using blogs and and now people are doing uh, summarizing papers in twitter threads or they're doing things like that like this like a podcast or we've all over the last two years all of a sudden have become expert in in zoom uh, presentations online right and and so we're doing so much experimentation already uh it's just about the fact that we're still only seem to be focusing on these specific cuts that we have institutionalized, right, that are become part of our uh, publishing and assessment systems and, and, and trying to focus on the fact that other cuts might actually be more useful sometimes. Um, uh, you know, we, we might indeed want to publish certain aspects of our research earlier or in a different format because it might reach a different audience or because we need specific feedback at a, a specific point or because we want to collaborate with other people. Um, so, yeah. So, so I think in that sense, indeed, I think it, it remains hard to kind of, of find ways that are most suitable uh, to make these this, this specific cuts. But I think the main argument I want to make is that we can start to kind of move away a little bit for the ones that are sanctioned and explore which other ones that might be actually good for the research that we're doing.
1: Yeah. What you just said almost makes it sound like maybe it's even like a rebranding of things. Cause like you're, like you said, like people are already doing blog posts or people are already like sharing their things on Twitter. Um, It's, it's more so, it's like exposing the processes that are already happening or sort of like integrating those things that are already happening into this idea of a living book or this um, more, I don't know the word, I'm trying to put a word to it um, more like processional, practices that are like we're already doing these things just like if we just push these into the like the formal work or the formal definition of the work that we're doing then it's like we're already we're further ahead than maybe that we think they are is that sort of what you what you mean yeah
0: Definitely, and I mean it's it's also I mean there's still a, a huge battle there. Look at for example the digital humanities. Like, like uh, digital humanities practice has been around for quite a while now already for 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 two or three decades, and depending on on, on kind of what kind of definitions or even longer if, if you want to, um, and they're still not you know necessarily accepted uh, within our institutions. So so it's not it's not an easy discussion to be had, and and I also don't think that it's only a fact in that sense. Maybe I'm, I'm presenting it too simple. It's not only, uh, or at least I'm not hoping that it's not only just uh, replicating what we already have and making it more visible, because I do think there's there's opportunities within the digital that we haven't maybe explored yet, right? That, that we can still... Uh, 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 yeah, look at more. Um, I'm super interested in kind of indeed this idea of, of, of hyperlinking and networking texts more and, and the kind of, of the platforms that are there and, and annotating on what that could mean and creating different layers in, in our publications or having dialogue around how can we do that in different ways? How can we um, make our data part of a publication and showcase it and interact with the data at the same kind? There's so many exciting things there. Um, that we can still explore around the medium and the medium keeps on developing, right? And and um, so so in that sense, um, there, there are still things that we don't know yet either. And, and it would be really exciting, I think, to, to try and figure out how we respond to that too. And, and media, and I think that's also one of the strengths of, of new media in that sense, is that they showcase to us how a lot of the things that we have been doing have become nat- naturalized and are seen as kind of... Um, as normal practices and actually they kind of challenge our thinking around that and like hey maybe maybe there are different ways of doing that and maybe these ways are, are better for how I want to communicate my research so I think there's, there's a lot of excitement too about the new possibilities that, that the new media could offer. Mm-hmm.
1: Sort of what you just said about the adding layers and the sort of like the hypertext reminded me of a part where you're talking about sampling in like a music DJ context where like, where like a DJ will like add a sample in from like another thing and how that is sort of like citing the culture almost or like um how, or even like even adding certain references to like a book or like having these different footnotes is like, you're you already are kind of remixing past things that like even that, very common practice of references and footnotes is already like a hypertext and is already a layer. But sort of the thing that you, you bring up um, is sort of like who's responsible then for that work and sort of what does authority or responsibility look like when you have all these different, different layers? I was wondering if you could maybe go into that a little bit.
0: Yeah, and oh this is such a difficult one too because I think yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's about this aspect of um I, I, I guess what, what I want to emphasize there is that we now tend to lie that torsi with this kind of individual author, right? That's the one who is supposedly brought it all together and, and 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 I think this is, you know, where we're we're missing a part there because again there's different agencies involved in 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 the production of this argument so so it's just we're kind of it's it's an illusion to think that the author is the one that brings it all together and that kind of has the authority in that sense so so there's all kinds of experiments that that look at more kind of distributed forms of authorship and also distributed forms of authority and 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 how can we do that in different ways right how can we kind of uh, uh a challenge this kind of first of all challenge the idea that 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 an individual author has that authority, and second of all, looking at what different other ways of authority we can establish uh, that are more relational, maybe, and that are are um, are part of kind of showcasing um, the different steps that a book comes through, and, and and a referencing referencing system itself is a form of authority, right? And and making links to other scholarship is a form of authority. So can we build um, this kind of situatedness within the systems that we're creating um, and expand it a little bit? From there, so there's all kinds of interesting uh, um, experiments also around this, around 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 hyper authorship, for example, in in um, in the sciences. And at the same time, I think what what I try to explore too is 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 how within certain fields, such as um, so it's such as as a conceptual poetry, for example. They're trying to really let go of this idea of of authority lying with uh, specific people and, and and trying to challenge um, uh, challenge this kind of idea that it lies within a text or within with an author, but that it you know that once we start to kind of uh, um, look at, at a kind of a remixed form of authority uh, trying to think through where it could then lie and that there isn't again there isn't a simple answer there right so um and I, and I think their experiments are also more about making visible the fact that this authority isn't just so simply located in these kind of elements um so so yeah and that's why I'm also very interested in kind of in this breaking down of of, of, of our established idea of of, of how we um, how we've set up these kind of structures, I guess, and, and looking at um, experiments that showcase things like, look how these things are interwoven. Um, and this is also quite interesting because I think elements of of, of plagiarism and, and piracy are still some of the most taboo ones in, in, in academia too, right? Uh well, in an oral society, for example, this was like commonplace, and then you could even say that practices like uh, Wikipedia, right, that, that are just crowdsource, uh, uh, have become so much more important these days. So, so maybe doing away with these kind of of more kind of collage writing or patch writing approaches towards uh, knowledge and, and scholarship. Uh, um might not be the best initial idea maybe it might be interesting to kind of explore what comes out of these kind of practices right and uh, what we can learn from them and and to envision different ways of scholarship maybe
1: yeah i'll read just said there about. i mean it what, you, you say this much more in your book too about how some of the policies and like almost like the legal work around book publishing were to prevent plagiarism or to stop pirating um and that just makes me wonder, like, how could we make more dynamic policies for like radical and fluid models, or, or is more what you're saying like our policies part of the issue? Um, sort of like how how to balance between, like, having ownership and authority of a work, but also having it be remixable in a way that like maintains that sort of ownership in like the words and ideas.
0: Yeah, so, so this comes back to this this whole the, the kind of humanist tendencies behind our copyright regime and also how this is integrally connected to the idea of the book as a kind of a bound entity and the author as somebody who is the owner of that work, right? And so this is really hard to start kind of disconnect in that sense. And of course, things like Creative Commons licenses, etc. have started to try and do that. Um, but they still kind of rely on this authority of the author Having to actually say like, "Oh, I'm giving the rights for others to reuse it," instead of seeing it as something that, you know, you always have the rights uh, from the start. So, so this is quite interesting that, that there are moves towards kind of enabling uh, these kinds of experiments uh, more, but they still kind of fall back to these kind of humanist understandings of what um, of what ownership of a text is, and and and. And, and 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 yeah, how we perceive uh, a book to be and what an author is, etc. Um, so yeah, so there's a, there's also kind of more copyleft licenses, etc. That or uh, licenses that try to think through a bit more what um, what what kind of the ownership could be from a perspective of um, a more kind of public domain perspective, right? Like let's say start that we start from the premise that it's already part of the public domain. Um, but this, again, is also so very hard because copyright is also something, depending on, on the countries that you're in, is connected if you're a scholar t- uh, to your universities. Uh, and and um, so, so it's also not always your ownership. It might be connected to your employer. And again, we also have the issues that we've been uh, uh, writing or giving our copyright to publishers, right, to, to publish our work for us. Um, and this is one of the things that the open access movement has also argued for, like it's about retaining your copyright your right to to be able to to do with your research afterwards what you want to do with it um, um, so yeah so it's an interesting discussion and, and, and it's also one I have to admit that within the book uh, copyright is a little bit something that I wish I would have had more time for because but it's such a big kind of subject uh, uh, to kind of uh, yeah get into uh, so so I, I kind of only skim uh, a bit towards uh, twitch it I guess
1: yeah, but that makes me wonder, and like you said in the probably the very beginning or even like the acknowledgement or intro section about how this book like started off as like a series of blogs and it's now a published book. Um, and then sort of what, how I came across your work was helping move it onto this platform called PubPub, which is an open publishing platform that sort of allows for this annotation, embedded media and et cetera. Um, so I was just wondering maybe two things here about one, how You were able to set up either copyright or policies to have that have this work be as fluid as it seems to be um and then also sort of like what has been the process for you um been like to to remix this book into like its various and different forms from like digital to print media
0: yeah no definitely i mean i've always wanted to kind of experiment because when i started to do uh my phd uh, thesis is got in the uk i wanted to see if i could you know while rethinking what the book could be, I was thinking like, okay, that also if I want to take what I'm saying seriously and also kind of res- reflect on my own practice, that that would need to involve also thinking through how I could publish my thesis maybe differently, right? And um, so yeah, so I started doing the blog um, as a kind of a way to uh, to publish research in process, and and I do remember that initially I had to get some kind of special compensation or, or from the from the university that, that that they were aware that I was doing that, right? Right? Because at that point, too, still, um, um, and I think that probably is still the same. I don't think that's changed much, but it probably still says something that to qualify for uh, a thesis submission, it can't be published anywhere previously and things like that. right? Um, so I had to kind of explain, like, look, I'm, this is part of the way that I'm performing my research uh, and that I'm publishing uh, parts of it already um, online online once it is developing but this has been such a great experience also um i mean i started the blog that's part of uh yeah that that started off the book i guess around 2009 or 2010 i think and um And by that time, I mean, blogging was definitely established already for academics, but it was still relatively new enough for it to be what felt like a vibrant community. And there were still RSS feeds, so people would get like the news from different blogs into their uh, inboxes every day or in their readers. Um, And and this was, you know, it created a a bit like what Twitter is now, I would say. That was the place where conversations took place. Um, um, And that was really exciting. And I also used kind of... um, because um, from the beginning, I think I've, I've been a bit uh, controversial in the sense that I think I put like four different copyright licenses on the blog to just confuse the whole thing because, you know, even with me proclaiming a copyright license, I would still be, uh, uh, yeah, a kind of the author, giving away the authorship or enabling. Uh, so, so I try to kind of play with that a little bit. Um, but parts of my research have, have been... Um, you know, I've gone into kind of uh, different papers and articles and uh, different multimedia uh, kind of bits and bobs that I've done. Uh, I've been part of um, a, a remix project from uh, by Mark America, which I've kind of remixed part of my thesis into part of his book and things like that. So so I've used the blog and the kind of all kinds of other practices that I was interested in exploring, like um, uh, liquidity and remix, etc., uh, to perform the book in that sense. Um, so when then, I, I think I finished uh, um, my, my thesis and my PhD, um, I decided that it would also be interesting because it's not only kind of these practice, I'm also really interested in the platforms that, uh, and what kind of options they offer. So I um, the final version of my, my thesis or whatever the final version is and in that sense was published both in the kind of the format that the university wanted, which was basically a PDF and a print version. Um, but I've also uploaded it to common press which is a platform that, uh, that I'm really excited about too which was one of the first ones that allowed kind of uh, comments in the margin so on paragraphs etc and it was developed by Institute for the future of the book and it uh, people like Kathleen Fitzpatrick have used that too for their uh, um, for uh, doing peer review on their uh on their manuscripts. So that was one aspect, so that allowed a more granular feedback. Uh, and the other thing I did is I published it as a wiki, so for people to kind of edit it and and, and put it out there. Um, so that was something that I did um, as part of the thesis, but then developing it into a book. Uh, this was a really quite hard process, I have to say, because I had all kinds of interesting, a bit naive maybe, ideas about how uh, the book version then would then be something which maybe different people could Uh, respond to and it would be a series of books I had all kinds of yeah a little bit crazy ideas I guess which when I went to uh, publishers to kind of chat with them about that I didn't really get a lot of response which could also be by the fact that I'm uh, a career researcher I hadn't published a book before and it's really hard to kind of um, uh, yeah to, to get into that people know you and think oh this looks interesting right um, so I kind of changed my uh, tack there and I, and I worked towards a more kind of uh, traditional book proposal. Um, and even this was really hard, right? And then I did find uh, a place with MIT Press within the Leonardo series, which I was really excited about because they've done so much super interesting experimental work before too. Uh, But the press was also changing its business models at that moment. Um, And so what previously they were experimenting with green open access, which was something that I was asking them to explore, they were now moving towards also kind of a more BPC and now even uh, a consortial funding model, right? But they were still in the midst of developing that when I was publishing my book. Um, So it took quite a long time of having conversation about whether the book could be open access uh, and in what form and trying to find uh, funding to do that, uh, for the press to be enabled to, to do that. Um, so I was really happy that eventually uh, we did find some funding to do so and to make the book open access. Uh, and at that point, I think uh, you got in touch too, saying like, uh, oh, we're also working with the Knowledge Futures group with, with uh, Putting books in um, MIT Press books on uh, on pop up, right? And this for me was a kind of a way. It, it brought me back again to the blog and to the kind of these different platforms that I've, um, uh, I've I've tried out. And I also made sure that uh, when uh, I did negotiations around the copyright license with the press, that it would be one that allowed reuse and versioning and remix. Um, and and so so yeah so so moving the book then to pop up was for me you know it kind of uh, it was a really good kind of way to extend the projects and, and to kind of keep that procedural element to keep that uh, engagement with uh, uh, um, yeah, with, with, with the community alive, because pop-up also allows you to uh, have comments in the margins of the book. Uh, it allows you to version the book. So um, what we also discussed, I think, is that the, the version in pop-up is ever so slightly different now already than the version uh, uh, in the PDF and, and, and the print version, because we, we try to reflect a little bit more on um, on the fact that this was a pop-up version. Um, at the same time, uh, uh, multimedia were added. Uh, some more images and pictures that couldn't make it into the uh, in the print book. Uh, some hyperlinks were made, connections. So, so I, I think it's really exciting to to have a platform like PopUp too, which which allows these kind of uh, connections to be made. And and thank you so much, also again, and Knowledge Futures Group for helping me to kind of uh, put the book on there and and, and enabling me to do that. Because I think it's been it's been really amazing, also for. Uh, uh so for its reception and for how people can now engage with the book in different ways
1: yeah definitely definitely a pleasure to help like make living books a living book you know um <laughs> like I feel like you're, this whole project is trying to like define like the book without edges or a book without that traditional binding um element so yeah I think it's really really cool and definitely an honored to be a, be a part of that process or be a part of the performance even. Um, So maybe just as like a, a final question, like I know this book just came out this year, but I'm just wondering like what's sort of next for you or what sort of idea or projects have been exciting you lately that you've been working on?
0: oh so many <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think there's different I kind of I, I always feel that i've got like different uh, tracks to my scholarship i think the one project that i'm now working on that that's most directly kind of a follow on from from the book um, is a project that i'm i'm calling post publishing um, and and this at the moment is mostly a program of of of, uh, of talks and, and and interviews that I've been doing with uh, both theorists and practitioners um, who have been uh, exploring experimental publishing and what that means. Um, and I'm I've been talking to uh, yeah people both in uh, academic publishing but also in more artistic uh, publish uh, 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 publishing. Uh, yeah, to kind of get a little bit of inspiration about what the future of the book could be, what the function is of experimental publishing as, as, um, um, as, as, as a kind of a speculative critique, uh, as an intervention into systems uh, uh, of publishing and knowledge creation. Um, and this is quite exciting. So I've been recording a, a series of interviews with these people, um, and I'm hoping to kind of turn that into an article and, and maybe from there into to a small book or, or something similar. So that's one aspect I think I'm looking at now. And post-publishing basically looks at more of those aspects of versioning and processual publishing that I describe in the book. So it tries to explore that question of, okay, when, what you also just uh, talked about, like, at what points do we create fixity now that you know these kind of binder uh uh, boundaries between research and publishing are increasing changing right because we're publishing throughout the research process what does it then mean to publish uh so so in that sense for me it's post-publishing because you know if we kind of uh do away with these distinctions where do we create them again and 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 for what reasons and that's something that i'm I'm really uh, excited about exploring um, I think some other aspects I'm doing is is more around the kind of activist work that I'm doing uh, which is with, with projects such as the radical open access collective um, and also it's uh, a project I'm involved in called copim which is is kind of developing um, open source infrastructure for uh, for for books for open access books and making sure that they can be uh, uh, produced disseminated and, and funded in ways that that make them more sustainable and um, and with the Radical Open Access Collective, we're hoping to do maybe a new event. We've done two conferences around trying to define what radical open access is, but also kind of showcasing the work that all these organizations are doing uh, to create a different, uh, uh, more ethical, uh, more diverse uh, uh, publishing system. Um, so I'm hoping to do maybe next year or depending on how pandemic things go, etc., the year after to do a, a third uh, radical open access conference and and yeah, and to continue building together with all these amazing people within scholarly communication system, uh, such as yourself too, right? And then kind of seeing that this is not something, again, for me, especially research around publishing is not something that only happens in a kind of, a, a kind of isolated theory, kind of book version, but it's something that... Um, is activist It's something that is, is part of wanting to make those changes together with with others that have uh, similar needs. Uh, uh, so so uh, scholarly publishers, university presses, uh, the kind of not for profit sector, libraries are so also looking at creating a more equitable, uh, 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 yeah, communication and publishing system. And I'm really excited by that and by all the people doing such great work around that.
1: Yeah. All that sounds super cool. Definitely like the being intentional and finding a community with which to do all those things is very, very important. So that's really
0: exciting. Definitely. And we're always open if you're interested, get in touch, right? It's all Mm -hmm. about inspiring other people to be involved in these kind of things soon to start making their own changes I think so so yeah if yeah. you're interested get in touch please do and then have a look at you know all these amazing presses and, and publishing projects that are exploring the future of the book
1: yeah it's definitely like risky but uh worthwhile to try and switch up and change what we view as like the academic scholarly identity switch it up a little bit definitely yeah All right. Well, thanks, Janneke, for for talking about your book with me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Sarah, for the opportunity. Yeah, it was really lovely.